Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from the book of, of Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 9 through 18. It should be found on page 95 in your pew Bibles or 184 in the large print. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day that you have made. And God, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. God, to guide us in your ways, to reveal who you are and who we are. Lord, help us as we hear your word read and proclaimed this morning to hear it for real, that we would live it for real in relationship with you through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Leviticus 19, starting in verse 9, says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. But fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Turning then to Matthew chapter 5. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is commenting on the law of the Old Testament and showing what it's all really been about. As he gets to the heart of the matter. Matthew five, forty three to forty eight, which can be found on page seven eighty seven in the Pew Bibles or fifteen oh seven in the large print. Matthew five, forty three to forty eight. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Turning to our sermon text for this morning. James chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. 
can be found on page 978 in your pew Bibles or 1880 in the large print. I'll tell you. We have been looking at the book of James uh, several weeks now, and last week we saw really what, uh, what this whole thing is about, which is, in verse 22 of chapter 1, he says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And so we're seeing that in the book of James, he's really confronting people who have been listening to the word and listening to the word and saying, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. But they're not actually living it out. They're not actually living as people who really believe in Jesus would live. And he says, if you're hearing it, but you're not doing it, you might not really be hearing it, if that makes sense. And so he's going through now, kind of item by item and saying, here are some ways to check to see if the word has actually gone to your heart or if it's only gone to your ears. And this week, you know, last week we looked at, uh, for example, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Okay. This week, we're covering a different topic. It's not so much the tongue but how we, treat, uh, how we treat people around us, like this. It says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who, promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin, and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is... This is, once again, one of those passages that can easily step on some toes. But I want to take you through what James is talking about and maybe clear away some of what he's not talking about. And I love his colorful language. Isn't that nice, the way he tells the story, kind of puts you in the situation? I thought about calling this sermon, The Senator and the Homeless Man. As you can sort of imagine in your you know, church gathering, uh, a senator walks in and all of his Im- earthly importance, and a homeless man walks in and all of his earthly 
on importance. And how would they be received? And how would they be treated? Would they each receive the same welcome, or would it be exactly as James said? Would we say to the senator, oh, let me make sure that you're comfortable. Let me make sure that you have a good place where you can, where you can sit and hear and see, and everything's fine. And we leave the, the homeless man to fend for themselves because, you know, they don't really matter. James tells this story to put us in that position. And he says, when we're doing that, it's not that we are uh, just dishonoring the poor. What we're doing is showing, uh, that's like kind of a spiritual thermometer, showing where our hearts are the condition of our hearts, and how much they have been changed by the gospel. Because he says that, right there, that scenario, is exactly how everybody should expect to be treated pretty much everywhere except the church. But that is not at all how people who have had their hearts and lives changed by the gospel should treat anybody. And that's where he says, have you not, when you're doing this, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? This is not how it's to be done. And of course, one of the reasons why is because we're looking at what's on the outside instead of what's on the inside. Um, this is... This is one of those areas where I actually agree with the, um, the people that were confronting Jesus at one point. Tell you what I mean here in a second. So I tear the pages of my Bible. One more page. Uh, in Matthew 22, it says the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap Jesus in their words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, We know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. So far, so good, right? He is a man of integrity. He does teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And they say, you aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. True? True. So they lay all that down, and then they throw out their trap question. Tell us, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the tax to Caesar or not? And uh, that's where they have you know, kind of set the stage. They've baited the hook, but he doesn't take the bait. But what they say there is right. That he doesn't pay attention to who people are. Not in the sense of their social status or uh, whether they are the people who are in the in-group or the out-group. But he does pay attention to who people really are. And there's the difference. And this is where we have to have our whole uh, perspective of the world changed from seeing like the world to seeing like God. Because when we see like the rest of the world, we look and we see that somebody who has a lot of power and money and influence, we say, that's an important person. And when somebody doesn't have those things, we say, meh, not so important. That's the worldly way of looking at things. But the way that Jesus looks at things, it doesn't go that way. We see him associating with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the Herodians and the Sadducees and the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the lepers and the Jews and the Gentiles and the men and the women. And everywhere you turn, Jesus is talking with somebody 
But it never really matters what their social status is. It never matters how much money they have. It never matters how much power or influence they have. What matters is that that is a person who has been created in the image of God, who has fallen in sin, and who needs a redeemer, who needs a savior. And that is who Jesus talks to. Those people, right? And that's all of us. And James is saying, when we have that perspective that Jesus has on the situation, it no longer becomes the senator has value because he's got a larger net worth, therefore he has a lot more worth. We saw that in James 1. But that everybody has value as a creation of God, someone who's created in the image of God. And everyone needs uh, to hear the gospel message and our need for a redeemer and savior. In other words, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. This is why he says, you know, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? But then he, he makes the case further. He points it out, says, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? And that, is, that was the case then, and it's often the case today. That when looking at uh, particularly the area of economic differences, that around the world, more often than not, the church is made up of people of less means in earthly terms. And that is just the way that it is. And we say, but why would God choose those people? I don't know. But he sure does. And not only does he, but we see that he often doesn't choose the people that everybody expects him to choose. You saw uh, in our children's sermon today, Leah, the one that Jacob didn't want. God chose her. We see in the story of uh, Jesse and his sons, when Samuel comes to see who the next king is going to be, and the oldest son stands up before him and says, oh, this guy, he's going to be the one. He looks like a king. And God says, no, not him. And they keep going on down the line until you get to David, who nobody expected, but who had the right heart. Even if it wasn't all right on the outside, it was right on the inside. And that's where the difference comes in. And as long as we are seeing all the differences on the outside and choosing and placing value based on what's on the outside, we're missing that kingdom perspective. Um, this, by the way, is not merely a matter of economics. I think that is the issue that James highlights because that was one of the issues they were facing. But any external difference that doesn't have to do with our creation in the image of God, that doesn't have to do with our uh, being fallen in sin and our need for a redeemer, for making distinctions on anything else, that's probably the wrong things. And so that's why... Paul is able to write to the church in Galatia saying, you know, there's, you're all one in Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You're all one in Christ. And I think you could add in there, there's neither rich nor poor, etc. And then he explains why this is a big deal. Besides everything we've mentioned so far, he says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. 
For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Did you hear that? Is James right here? Is that really the way it is? I mean, they'd, the Pharisees had counted up, you know, 600 and I don't remember how many laws in the Old Testament. And they were very careful to keep them as best they could all the time. Is James really saying if they just break one of those, they might as well have just broken all of them? Yes, that's what he's saying. And we say, well, what hope do we have? How can we do that? How can we keep all of these laws all the time? And that's what Jesus uh, talked about when he said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you certainly will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Because we have to be perfect. We have to fulfill all the law, and we can't do it. But why, do, why is that even the standard? Why is it the case that if we break one, we've broken it all? Here's why. He says, uh, For he who said, You shall not commit adultery, also said, You shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. The way that we tend to view, uh, to view things like this, laws, etc., is to say, well, do it like in school with the grades. There are ten questions on the test. I missed one. That's a 90. That's an A, right? And so we look at the Ten Commandments, and we say, all right, there are ten commandments. I kept nine of them, broke the one. I, you know, it says... Uh, I didn't commit adultery, I didn't do any of the other things, but I did commit murder, you know. That's still a 90, I'm good. That's an A. I just murdered, that's just the one commandment. And James says, false. You break any of them, you fail the whole thing. Because it's not about getting a percentage grade. It's about our relationship with God. And that's the whole point. It's about being conformed to his character. Of perfection. This is why Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's not be perfect because, you know, I want you to be perfect. It's be perfect because God is perfect. I want you to be with God. That's the whole point. And so when we turn away in anything, it's our heart saying, I reject you to God. And therefore, it doesn't matter which one of these laws we're breaking. If we are turning away from God, we are turning away from God. Does that make sense? That's not a 90% is good enough, but it's any turning away is turning away. Because it's all about the relationship. And so he says, um, if you do not commit murder, or do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. So then he says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And this takes us right back to where we began today. The sinner and the homeless man, right? It says, if we are treating people in the, uh, with the eyes of the world, then what we will do is exactly what this church was apparently doing. And discriminating on the basis of economic standing And saying, you have no value. James is saying, don't do that. But we are to speak and act as those 
who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. This law that gives freedom because it is in a relationship with God. A freedom to live the lives that he created us to live. Not believing the lies of the world. And so where the world says this person has no value, God says, yes, they do. Speak and act like they do. Because if you are not merciful to them, how can you expect to receive mercy from God? Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The principle, of course, always goes back to Jesus. This is how James began this section. He said, uh, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. And that's the reason why. It's because if we really are believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, that means we are those who have received mercy. You remember the story that Jesus told about the... um, about the two men who were each forgiven a debt. One was forgiven a huge debt that he could never, ever, ever repay. And he goes into the master and he says, please, forgive the debt. The master says, okay, I forgive. Go on. And he goes and he finds the guy who owes him, not so much. And that guy says, oh, please forgive. And he says, absolutely not. I will not forgive you. Well, the king calls the other guy back in and says, now you've got to repay the whole thing. Forgiveness canceled. And Jesus is making the point. If we have really understood what it means to be forgiven, if we really understand what it means to have received mercy when we didn't deserve it, if we were to have our hearts changed by that gospel, we ought to be people who are living that out, who are showing mercy to others, who say, God did not um, accept me because... I have money or because I'm the right um, age or race or gender. But just because. We're going to be those who show the same thing. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.